everyone, and welcome back to Anything Joe's, a collaborative journey through the world of G.I. Joe. My name is Greg Engel. And I'm Jaron Decker. And we'll be your host today. Today on Anything Joe's, we're going to break down the experience of Kentuckiana. We are pretty diehard Kentuckiana enthusiasts, if you haven't picked up on that by now over the years. <laughs> it's uh, you know one of our favorite conventions, and it just so happens to be located you know basically less than half an hour or so from where we live. So it would be foolish to not support it, obviously. You know, this year is the first year that Kentuckiana has been in the new convention center. They kind of previewed it with Winterfest, but Winterfest is supposed to be the like baby show, and this is the big boy. And it was their 10th <laughs> year, so we were expecting big things. And, you know, I mean, basically we got them. Um, the Winterfest vendor list was much larger than your average Winterfest, and it was all in one room. This time, you know, we have many, you know, probably, I don't, maybe double the amount of vendors, and they just really crammed them all in there. Maybe even more than that. It was a very full show, but still spacious enough to move around. Before we get into the, like, the layout of the floor, the vendors that we saw, obviously the stuff that we got, I'm going to let Jaron take the stage for a second, because on Friday, which is the day of the early open, Jaron had much more freedom than I did. I had just worked all night. I had to sleep at least until the mid-afternoon to just to be able to function. So Jaron had the freedom to go over to the hotel early and kind of get into some mischief there. Yeah, so first off, if you get there on that Friday, apparently Gaddy's is now a thing. It's just going to become a, a, new, <laughs> a new thing. Uh, if you guys aren't aware, there is a restaurant pizza place called Mr. Gaddy's uh, up in the area, and Todd Henderson from Destro's Toy Den had kind of had happened upon it last year and then made an event this year. So if you're up here for the Friday before, that's apparently now a thing. So that that was kind of my first real thing we did. We went to the South Louisville Toy Mall, uh, me and a couple friends, Jason from Order of Battle, uh, Natalie and Greg from Lost and Found Toys, uh, Todd from Destro's Toy Den, and there were a few other people that I wasn't familiar with that we were all just hanging around uh, the South Louisville Toy Mall, and that was a really cool experience, especially like Greg and Natalie from Lost and Found Toys. They know so much about things that I would just like walk right past. Um, <laughs> so it was really cool getting to like walk with them and see you know see them talk about all these different things. So we went there. We went to a comic book shop right before Gaddy's. Uh, and then we went out to eat uh, the Friday before everybody loads in and, and starts, you know, packing in all their stuff. And I was just hanging out. So I offered to help and helped unload uh, Natalie and Greg. So they're like, well, we're going to go. We're going to go to the hotel. And they had sponsored for Ron Rudat to come to Kentuckiana this year, which was a pretty big deal for everybody. Um, very great people. But so they were like, well, we're going to go do some stuff. We got to pick up Ron and we're going to unload him. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll just hang out in the hotel until you guys are ready and then just let me know. And I sat in the hotel lobby and lo and behold, there were uh, Ron and Virginia Rudat just hanging out in the hotel lobby. <laughs> so I got the wonderful experience to just sit and chat with them for, I don't know, probably a half an hour. And until I realized that maybe I should check on my friends and see if they needed help loading in. Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. They were so sweet. And it's really funny because Ron is much more reserved, whereas his wife is much more talkative. So it was really fun to kind of, you know, and she did such a good job of like, oh, this is Ron. You know, have you met Ron? Ron's great. Um, so she's like his own personal hype woman, which is phenomenal to see. Uh, and then I got to actually help them load in all of their artwork and all their prints and all that stuff and help hang their banner and set up their little table and stuff like that. And I, could, I mean, it was... 
it was very, very awesome, a chance to just help those guys out. You know, they don't have to come to our little show in Kentuckiana, but they, they made the trip out, and a huge thanks to the people that sponsored them. Uh, but yeah, that was that Friday beforehand. So I helped I helped Ron and his wife with their booth, and then immediately ran to go get Greg to avoid the bridge traffic uh, to get back for the show right at start. So that was kind of before show uh, for Friday for me. It's no secret that I'm pretty jealous of that. I mean, I'm happy for you. Honestly, I am. And I, you know, I got to meet Ron, but I do think some one-on-one time would have been pretty exceptional. That's awesome. I think we learn a little bit every year about stuff that we can, I don't know. We've almost assimilated with vendors in the sense that we hang out with them. We go out to eat Mm -hmm. with them beforehand. We kind of work for them a little bit here and there. So, all right. So now I'm in the picture. Let's talk about the floor. I didn't get there. (laughs) I probably didn't get there until it was still, I don't know, maybe an hour or two before it was probably an hour before it was getting ready to open. It was pretty close. So we got there for the kernel package, which is what they call what we call early bird. I guess early bird is technically the morning before, but you know, it's the nightly preview. It's not exceptionally crowded. Um, and I'm sure a bit of that is the sticker shock. There's a, almost a $25 sawtooth between getting in the night before and just showing up at 10 a.m. the day of. So I get it. You know, it's it's for the diehards, which, of course, we are. And there's other, you know, there's other guys there that don't want to, you know, they don't want to miss anything that's been brought. You know, I did do quite a bit of purchasing that evening. I try to scoop up anything I just don't think is going to be there or stuff that will, you know, I could turn around and it'll be gone, which happens quite a bit. We'll get into recent acquisitions uh, at the end, but for now, let's talk a little bit about the convention itself. So the new convention center that we've been using for Winterfest and now Kentuckiana going forward, and which you know Stephen Stovall told us on our last episode, they would be expanded even further for uh, for Winterfest. They're gonna they're gonna open up other rooms. It's gonna become you know they have a waiting list of vendors that want to attend. The show continues to grow, which is amazing. I was concerned that for Kentuckiana, they would not maybe not overbook, but that it would be so crowded, you simply can't move back to back. And I'm happy that it wasn't like that. They managed to get, you know, a, basically a full, I, you know, I was I was going to say a full room, but the reflecting on it now, I think you could probably get a little bit more in there if you really tried. It was not very crowded. I'll say that. The walkways were pretty pretty generous and getting in between booths i felt like was no problem other than the actual entrance doors right at the very beginning which is just like a single door wide there was no part where when we were standing around chatting with people that i felt like okay we're in the way we need to move it was very open there was a lot of room between between booths between aisles um you know you like you could have gotten a stroller in and around and i don't think you would have had any problem yeah so What's at Kentuckiana? Well, let me think of some stuff that I saw that wasn't G.I. Joe related. I will say up front that this show was leaning much further into 12-inch Joes than I normally see it. There's always a pretty good representation. I'll stand by the fact that I think it's the largest 12-inch G.I. Joe show anywhere. I could be wrong about that, but the representation for such a marginalized part of the community is is strong. They're making customs, they're making repro parts, they're keeping the brand alive. You know I respect that because I've done it before. I've kept some of this stuff on my back when there was nothing else coming out. So I, I yeah, I, I like looking at this stuff. And you know, I'm not a big 12 inch joke guy. I have a interest in it only from a novelty sense, but I do like seeing what 
the other the hardcore fans are doing you know just to keep the interest there so big 12 inch presents obviously lots of vintage joes i'd say more vintage show stuff than modern show stuff definitely more than classified yeah a real hodgepodge but with a real strong emphasis firstly 12 inch joes secondly original vintage three and three fourths other stuff, Jaron, you might actually be better at this than I am because I skim over that stuff so heavily, and that's the stuff that I feel like attracts you the most. <laughs> did you see non-G.I. Joe stuff? I mean, I know you bought some non-G.I. Joe stuff, but did you see anything there? Was there a lot of Star Wars stuff there? I don't. Other than those statues you were looking at, I, I can't really remember anything. You know, there, were, there was at least two booths that had more of what I would call like a toy aisle feel so they had he-man they had marvel legends they had star wars black series the vintage collection um so there was definitely some representation of those other lines i I would agree with you this has been this was very much more of a vintage focused there was a lot of still other brands represented and you know when we had talked with steve he mentioned that's why they call it the gi joe and toy expo you know they're they're leaning into that they're accepting that you know if they wanted to they could get rid of all the vendors except for the people that are bringing just 12 inch joes or just joes in general um but they like having that variety you know and there i saw a couple people there i know that are that are tertiary joe collectors you know they only they only get joes kind of but they're they're really just into toy collecting i mean you can find hot toys you can find other side so sideshow collectibles boss fight uh like i said marvel legends you can find just about anything that that you want there you can find mezcos you can find anything that you're wanting in a toy collection that you can pretty much find at least a little bit there so the show layout is good and the representation is good it's a smart move to be like it's not just a gi joe show because if you are trying to grow the convention you got to bring in some other stuff and generally speaking, toy toy vendors will bring whatever they've got on hand anyway. They're going to be like, well, you never know. Maybe somebody will buy this Marvel Legends stuff. So if they're going to bring it anyway, you might as well open up the umbrella a little bit and try to get some more people in. I don't know if you were if you're just a specific like I can only collect Masters of the Universe figures. Eh, you might have to do some digging to find something that you really want. But if you've got a broad spectrum of stuff you're looking for, I still think it's worth attending. Eh, at least on that, you know, the regular Saturday admission, pop in, take a lap. You know, you're only out five bucks if you don't find anything, and it's a good to look around. So I think the layout's good. I think the you know I think the growth is going very well, and I you know I'm excited for to see how it looks at Winterfest with the expansion, more vendors, maybe more people I haven't dealt with before. With that out of the way, let's start getting into the actual day of itself. I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty of like what Jaron and I did. We you know we hung out with uh, the guys from Podcaster in the Pit. We hung out with Order of Battle. Uh, we saw all the vendors that we you know love and talk about all the time and we kicked around that night that night that friday night at the hotel i think it was that friday night we instead of like goofing off with everybody we all went back to the hotel room and watched spy troops which i think is (laughs) indicative of how much i'd had to drink that evening and that was Jaren's first watch, so that was that was a pretty fun experience. They still we're still lacking a little bit of a like a community room. Like it's still kind of hard to get everybody together at one place like we used to at Hilton Garden. Um, but we'll we'll keep working on that. I think a lot of people were just flat out tired because they'd driven, unpacked, done business. You know, it's I don't know. It was hard to keep people high energy. It felt like that night. It was also very hot. 
uh, and you know, I think load in really took it out of a lot of vendors. I mean, it was, it was a very warm load in experience. Unlike some of the years prior, you know, this was our first experience at this and, you know, in, at the previous place of the Hilton garden, it was, you went in an exit door, you went down a hallway and then the room was in there. So it was very much AC'd. Whereas this building, they had opened all the garage doors, all the side doors. So basically the whole convention center was hot until right up until showtime from where they had been loading stuff in. Yeah, it's, uh, we're still fine tuning it. We'll, we'll work on it in the coming years. I think we'll be able to nail it down. They will learn about us. I feel like eventually you don't get the same people twice a year and eventually start to cater to them a little bit, I think. So we'll figure it out. I'm pretty confident we could crash in that little breakfast area. And they, as long as we weren't super loud, they probably wouldn't say anything. If it wasn't so flipping hot, we could have just hung out in their little porch area, which I did a couple of times, but you're right. It was sweltering. It was gruesome. All right. So let's get into recent acquisitions. Recent acquisitions. Um, Jared, I'm going to let you go first because I know you are a very selective buyer. You bought a lot <laughs> less than me and I sometimes just go hog wild. I just go in with the money I have and I'm determined to spend it no matter what. It's never worked out bad for me. I've never <laughs> accumulated a creditable, a sizable debt that I don't know how to pay off. We'll get into that in a minute. Jaron, tell me, what did you buy at Kentuckiana? Yeah, so this year was different. You know, in years prior, I'd been, you know, I bought vintage collection or vintage O-ring Joes. I bought some vehicles. I bought, you know, there was just, I was a very I had a very broad sense of things I was going to buy. Whereas this year I went in a lot more selective, mostly because of space issues, you know, with how much classified we're getting with the has labs we're starting to get with now with the his tank or with the, uh, with the vamp on the horizon, with all of these things, it, it made me kind of think about, okay, well, where do I want to collect? If I'm going to keep collecting, uh, classified, then I'm not going to be able to keep up on buying more and more, more O-ring and more vintage vehicles. You know, there's just, to me in my collection, I don't want to buy things and just put in a tote in my closet. You know, if I would rather just leave it for somebody else to have and to enjoy than for me to just sit and let it collect us in a closet. Uh, so I went in just kind of focused on going with six inch stuff and you know, this is probably the first year that I actually came out under budget, a quote unquote budget, because I didn't even really give myself a budget. But I was I was actually really, really proud of my my restraint. I won't say I bought a couple practical things. Um, but yeah, so uh, do you want me to go ahead and jump right in? Yeah, let's hear it. OK, so I started off by buying some extra classifieds. I have my room set up. Uh, at least decently, and I was looking at some of the holes. I had a, I needed a Python Patrol officer, one of the original releases. I guess need is strong. I have one, but I would like a second. Um, and so I picked up one of those. Uh, there was a guy there. Uh, I can't remember his name. He was selling classified for retail or under, which was really nice. So any of the older releases were under retail, and then the newest wave was right at retail pricing. So I grabbed quite a few of those. I, for some reason, didn't buy any more bats. I probably should have because now I'm going to look and be like, well, my bat army could be a little bigger. But so I, I bought a Python Patrol officer. I bought a regular officer just because I absolutely love that figure and all the different accessories and how he like, you know, he's got his little flashlight and put into his pocket. Mm -hmm. uh, and then let's see, who else did I buy on that? 
I bought an extra shipwreck to make a custom. Uh, I think I told you, Greg, but I want to use my the head off of this other shipwreck that I bought, and I want to put it onto my extra beachhead that I have and make kind of that Dollar General, you know, green sweatered beachhead. So I, I bought that figure just for the head. I've paid more for less, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll have to find a way to put poly. We'll just maybe one beachhead or maybe one shipwreck will just have two polys. Um, <laughs> but then I bought my first scrap iron because I hadn't bought a scrap iron yet. And man, that figure is beautiful. Yeah, it rolls. That whole that whole wave has been solid. Yeah, absolutely. And no QC issues like like the wave prior, which mm-hmm. I unfortunately had. Speaking of that wave, I bought another Crimson Bat because I only bought one Crimson Bat, which is not normal for me. <laughs> but, you know, the first Crimson Bat I bought had a missing, like its leg was just not attached when it came in. So I kind of waited for a while to get another one. But So I got a couple army builders um, and, and scrap iron and things for custom for classified. I didn't go too crazy, just got a couple of each. Um, but, that you know, that if that's where the crux of my my collection is going to be then i want to start really building it out um and actually post kentuckiana i've actually ordered a few things from like gridiron studios just mm-hmm. to kind of you know build that that sky that scale up and then another thing and this is something that i know you love is i bought the x-force mezco wolverine and it is the first mezco that i've ever bought and i am in trouble what a crappy way to start your mezco collection <laughs> That here's my beef with that. I'm not gonna get into the whole thing, but because because I dogged you about it almost the whole weekend. But he's wearing one of his least interesting outfits. It's just like the gray and black, and it's not like you know. I've read comics for a long time. He doesn't exactly like. He's not really well known for being on X Force. I just like it's your money. I mean, I give you a hard time because I think it's funny. I don't really care what you buy. I. I'm just like, wouldn't this be better in almost any other outfit he's ever worn? And I mean, don't get me wrong. I do love the Mezco stuff. That Destro was my first Mezco and it did really, I was really, really impressed with it. So I'm glad you're happy with it. I just wish you'd bought, you know, a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like that colorway. I I don't, but I'm also not a huge Wolverine comic person. I like, I still, I only associate Wolverine with Hugh Jackman. So, um, <laughs> if that's given you any information, it is. It tells me, it tells me you're not a real Wolverine fan. You better return that figure. <laughs> <laughs> I got such a good deal on it. It was kind of like, you know, I wanted to see what the Mezcos were to see if I wanted to start buying the G.I. Joe ones. There mm-hmm. were some G.I. Joe Mezcos there, but they were pretty much right at retail price. And the Wolverine was way under retail price. So how much uh, you don't have to give me the specifics on it, but was it like, I don't know, 30% off half off, uh, like 40% off. I think that is pretty good. I like, yeah. I'll, I retract my snark slightly. At least you got a good <laughs> deal on it. Cause they are great figures. I don't know if Mezco's are the kind of thing that you typically find, you know, do they go down in value? Do they appreciate in value? I truly don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That one might be because it's X-Force. Who knows? Maybe maybe 40% off was still 20% too much. Who knows? You bought, um, that from, you bought that from the Marauders guys, right? I did. I love dealing with the Marauders guys. They're so nice. I do too. They're excellent dudes. I mean, I bought that yeah. uh, I bought that hot wire from the other guy last year, and I'm still pretty happy with it. I mentioned this to you at, at the time, but I actually thought about 
talking to that guy and being like, hey, I bought this from you. I just want you to know I'm still exceptionally satisfied with it. But, and I thought, <laughs> this dude's not going to remember me. Who cares? I'm the only person that's really enthused about it. They do a great job in, of remembering people. Because I walked up and the guy goes, hey, no baby this time? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that, I, those dudes are both real cool. I like think that they're they're very funny. They they hang out with us. They cut up. They're They're awesome. Yeah, those guys are great. Um, and then the last thing I bought was hold on, I got to grab the box so that I can read this off. <laughs> it's a it's a title. You ready? Yes. Sci-fi diorama guy gives you the advantage. So, what that is, if if that name doesn't give it away, um, is <laughs> it doesn't actually. <laughs> yeah, who, who knew? Um, uh, it's basically a base plate with adaptive pegs. Now that I've actually been like messing around with it, it's actually really cool. So he has it comes with three different pegs, and he has a little handy chart inside the box that says, "Hey, these pegs go with these type of figures." So your green pegs go with your Black Series, your GI Joe Classified, your uh, Fortnite figures, your you know all of these. Your yellow peg goes with vintage G.I. Joes, and your gray pegs go with your four-inch figures, your modern Star Wars, modern G.I. Joe, Marauder's Task Force, and all of those kind of things. So I think that's a really cool idea, and I love that he gives you that that knowledge instead of just being like, well, figure it out for yourself, buddy. Yeah. So they're, they're base plates, and each pack you buy comes with two base plates. You can probably fit... I don't know, 20, 30 figures on one uh, of, of six inch. You can fit a whole lot more if you go with the smaller scale. And then they have backing plates on the back with like a diorama kind of setup for you. Um, but I'm buying them just to stabilize some of these, some of these figures that don't like to stand up for me. So I got a couple of those and I'm going to put those up on my shelf. But yeah, he goes by sci-fi diorama guy on uh, Instagram and I mean, they're really neat, and they are—they are so secure. I already tested it out, where you can put a figure on and hold the base plate upside down, and the figure won't come off. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I wish I had picked one of those up, and I am interested in seeing your like finalized photos of it because it's something I might double back on the next time I see them and get them. It's really for me just a matter of where can I apply these because I've built such a specific setup for my the bulk of my collection that it doesn't really there's not a lot of wiggle room for stuff like that it has to be sized just right but that doesn't mean i won't pick them up for like maybe my classifies or something since i know that's probably what you're going to be using them for yeah I'm, I'm interested in seeing them in action very cool presentation dude seemed very nice had a lot of other cool stuff like it was like a it looked like a little canister it looked like the about the size of a can of soda and you it would pull apart vertically and it was like a lamp but it would have like the rebel logo stamped on outside it was all weathered uh interesting stuff dude it was very creative yeah absolutely uh the last thing that i got because i really didn't go too hard on this is i picked up the play school millennium falcon it was like a 2000, I'm going to say like 2005. It's a little Millennium Falcon with like Han Solo. The guy was selling it for dirt cheap and I knew that my son would love it. So he has slept with it every night since uh, <laughs> Kentuckiana. This big old Millennium Falcon with all with like Chewie and Darth Vader. He has, uh, he has absolutely loved it. That I have, of all my kids, he's the only one that like absolutely like actually loves playing with toys. So it's easy for me to get him toys when i'm at a toy show but that's probably been the thing that's the most well-loved 
out of everything. <laughs> That's awesome. It's nothing better than just like picking out something that you think your kid will like, and then they're just like truly, truly over the moon about it. You feel yeah. like, yes, I know my child. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I have I have brainwashed my child. <laughs> I mean, all all in, that's still a pretty good haul. I don't think it's it about is. you know last or Winterfest that came back with so much stuff. It was kind of obnoxious, and this year I've got a much more slimmed down list of what I bought because I didn't find a ton of stuff that I really 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 wanted. Before I get into what I get, I will talk about the stuff I got I kind of got before the show because it all happened kind of on the same day and I feel like it's included I included it in some of these pictures. Uh prior to arriving at the show, Jaron and I made a arranged a trade. He traded, you know, he just said he's kind of getting out of some of this vintage scale stuff because of, for room issues. So we made a deal where he traded me some of the figure from his HasLab Sky Striker because I wanted, I only bought one. I wanted figures to keep on card if possible. So I got his Scarlet, his Cobra Commander, his Ramp Rat, and his Officer. The Scarlet's not pictured because I opened her already because I had not opened my <laughs> existing one because I was holding on. I, I didn't want to open her knowing it was my only one. Now I don't have to worry about that. So I got that in the deal and I'm very happy with that. And let's see, what else did I get beforehand? Right. Patrick Davis and his brother had contacted us, I mean, like the day after Winterfest or maybe the day of, and was like, hey, we are traveling. We're at a show. These guys have a the convention-exclusive Vector X36, which is the Conquest X30, but it's repainted to look like it's basically Maverick's vehicle from Battle Force 2000. So it's, I mean, it looks a lot different because it's just a Conquest and it's in those colors, but it's something I really wanted. You know, I've, I've always tried to clean up my con stuff because it's so expensive. They had it there for $150, and uh, Patrick and his brother talked this guy down to $100 even. And was like, do you want this? And I was like, absolutely, because $100 is a steal. To put that in comparison, we there was one at the show, and I think it was like $250. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a huge markup. And so I was like, yeah, that's a steal. If you guys get it, I'll pay you when you get here. So we made that exchange. They brought it. I paid them. It was, and it's a great deal. Thank you, Patrick. That was a big win for me. So I really appreciate it. Probably wouldn't have been able to pick this up. I'm not going to say ever, but it would have been a long time because it would have had to have been a deal, which I don't think would have been even as aggressive as this. So I'm really happy to put that in my collection. That's basically all the stuff beforehand. Um, Joel from Order of Battle uh, had had a, like a kind of a rundown, a lot of stuff he was trading in. He had an antenna for it. He had a Desert Fox and it had the antenna on it, which he just let me have because he was just getting rid of that stuff. Well, that antenna just so happens to complete my Desert Fox. Boop, mark it off the list. So it was nice to, you know, have some little victories like that. Uh, in terms of like completing stuff that was incomplete, I had almost no luck at all. The parts that I need are, are kind of the rarer stuff, I guess, or just less common. So when I looked through the parts bin, I didn't find anything of note. Nothing to like really bring to the table. It's not even in this picture, so I don't know what I bought. Let's see. Where do I want to start? <laughs> Let me knock out some of this little stuff first. I really only talked to my two main vendors. I talked to Lost and Found Toys and bought some stuff from them. I talked to Destro's Toy Den. I bought some stuff from them. I did also buy some stuff from the toy department because he has uh, such a large collection of stuff. From the Marauders booth, I picked up a... They've done two uh, movie homages. They did a uh, Escape from L.A. with you know Kurt Russell figure, what they, they've developed heads for. I bought that. And from their, like when they did the Marauders Task Force event. And then at the show, they had a Jack Burton from uh, Big Trouble in Little China. So I was like, okay, give me that also. They also had some stuff that they hadn't put in the store yet. They have a interchangeable faceplate 
that's like it comes with three masks and they all come off of the head one is supposed to be a cobra commander one is supposed to be a bat i'm not 100 percent sure what the third is supposed to be so i picked up that little set because i thought that would be fun to experiment around with having interchangeable face plates like that is not something that you really see very often they had a, like a little pack of like uh, pistols with silencers i picked that up because i'm trying to spruce up some more realistic weapons for my modern stuff I might have picked up one more thing, but that was that was basically it for Marauders. I picked up a Ultimate Storm. I think it's Ultimate Retaliation Storm Shadow is what he's called. It's basically the I mean basically the best looking Storm Shadow of the modern era. He looks just about the most like realistic to the original one. Well, I've got one. I bought one from Joel, and he gave me a great deal. And while we were looking at figures, he was like, "Here's another one at a great deal," which I just so happened to need because I was making a custom of. Billy, Cobra Commander's son, in his like training era. There's a window where Billy is an adult. He has escaped from Cobra. He's training with Storm Shadow. He wears one of Storm Shadow's old outfits, basically this. And the head is a FSS Billy head, which I had bought off eBay from an eBayer that was selling stuff directly from the like production factory. Just the head, right? You'd be like $8. And so I bought it thinking, I want to make this. Well, fast forward, it's been probably five years. I finally was like, this is it. Perfect. And it does. It looks great. I'll have a picture of that on our YouTube as well, just so you can kind of see what it looks like. Okay. So that's basically the, the little stuff. Let's get into the vehicles. I bought... More vehicles with boxes than I've ever bought this year, and not because I wanted to, just because it was the only way I could find this stuff that was on my list. This is I, this is all from the toy department. Toy department is real big on selling stuff in box or unassembled or brand new, which is, as you can imagine, ghastly. But he had some pretty agreeable stuff that was on my checklist that I didn't have at all, so I knocked it off. I bought a bomb disposal unit, one of the early 82, 83 vehicles that I just did not have one in good enough shape. A lot of the stuff that I bought this year is to replace stuff that was so far gone, I was never going to be able to check it off via parts, basically. So I bought a bomb disposal unit with the in the box, a really nice, clean box. I know I said I wasn't a big fan of that, but it does seem like I'm slowly amassing a collection of of vehicle boxes. Uh, I just don't have anything to do with them. I don't mind having them. It's just, I don't have no way to display them. I really don't even have a way of storing them. They'll probably have to be broken down at some point. I don't know if that's considered a cardinal sin or not, but other than that whale box that I got from you, Jaron, I just don't have anywhere to put this stuff. <laughs> In addition to the bomb disposal, it didn't come with the box, but it's very similar. I got a, uh, the weapons transport, which is just like another little four wheeler with a bomb behind it. Um, the one that I had was missing something and I, it was becoming so frustrating that when I find cheap ones, I mean, this was probably 20 bucks. It would probably cost me 20 bucks to find the one part that I was missing. So I grabbed that. I got a starfighter from the star brigade. Heck yes. I had bought a starfighter coming off of our, the video where we were actually talking about star brigade stuff. And the one that came in was broken. And so I returned it for a refund and then it was just kind of in limbo. I didn't immediately go out and find another one. And so when I saw this one, I was like, great, I don't have it at all. Yes, it has the box. That's fine, I'll take it. It was like 40 bucks. And again, pretty good deal, especially considering it has the box. Uh, that's added value whether you want it or not. And then the last thing I got from the toy department was the Shark 9000. Now, I've never owned the Shark 9000 and I don't even know if I've ever seen one, like I've ever played with one. 
it's always exciting for me to get my hands on a vehicle that I've never had. And I appreciate that, you know, in the 40 years of collecting, there's still stuff I got to get. And it's stuff that I've never interacted with before because it does awaken this like urge in me, this like childlike behavior where I, you know, I opened this Shark 9000. It was not brand new, but it was unassembled. So I assembled it. Obviously, I bought it to have and display. Uh, that box has got to go away. This was one of the more expensive pieces in terms of what I was getting for it. It was $90. I did not do a lot of research on the Shark 9000. So you at home might be saying, great deal with the box. Or you might be saying, big time ripoff. I honestly don't know. All I knew was that I didn't have it. It was in good, you know, it, was, it looks amazing. And I was desperate to buy things, basically, that were on my... I really wanted to make progress on my vehicles. So I thought, mm, that's fair enough. I'll take it. Really happy with that. We'll talk more about the Shark 9000 on a later episode when I've actually played with it. But it floats. It shoots water. It's going in the pool, for sure. All right. So other stuff that I got. Um, I bought a Skyhawk, which is the uh, Sky Patrol version of the... Oh, man. I'm going to just completely blank on it. Airhawk? They're both called Skyhawks. Okay, good. I didn't mess up, everybody. So <laughs> it's the V, I mean, I guess you'd call it the V2 Skyhawk. It's the Sky Patrol version of the Skyhawk. It's all chromed out. It looks good. It's not in great shape, but there's no like flaking on the chrome, which is a big deal with these. And if you will flashback to our Winterfest episode, I had bought a Sky Havoc, or maybe that's not what it's called. The Sky Havoc sounds silly, but it's the chromed Havoc. So I'm starting to slowly knock that stuff out on the lower end of the spectrum, stuff that's cheap enough for me to get. I didn't know the name of this when I picked it up. Uh, but I know now that it's called the Septic Tank, and it is from the Eco Warriors years. It's like the bad guy stuff. It's cesspool driving. It also shoots water, which was, I guess, a big novelty at the time. It's in very good shape. Again, nothing I've ever owned before, which is actually kind of surprising because big fan of cesspool, big fan of the like, uh, whatever they, the Eco Warriors bad guy base is called with the big base or the, the big uh, clear tube in the middle. I had that as a kid. And that was I, a really I, cool place up. Yeah. Love love that stuff. So probably the neon scared me off a little bit on this, but I'm happy to add it to the collection now because it's something I see a lot. It wasn't expensive. It was like $35. So still doing pretty good. Greg, can I tell you something that I know will not surprise you at all? Sure. I love the Eco Warrior stuff. That's one <laughs> of the few. That's like one of the sub teams. I'm like, man, you know what? I can't wait until we start getting classified Eco Warriors. OG Eco Warriors were great because they changed color when you hit put water on them. There was like a Ghostbusters line that did the same thing. It was supposed to look like they were slimed. They all came with these janky water hoses. Like if you find an Eco Warrior on card, it's like the size of a of a Time magazine, and they're huge. And uh, you know, I, cesspool is really like my thing. Uh, the Toxo Zombies came out of this as well, which I was a big fan of. But cesspool is like one of my favorite Cobra like leaders there's a later in the later runs of the comic he's like kind of on the board of members it's like him zarana bunch of other c-listers because everybody else has left cobra and is doing their own thing but i have and always will use cesspool a lot anyway this isn't about cesspool a great character um i bought a um two slaughters marauders vehicles I got a Slaughter's Marauders lot from that guy in Louisville, which I know I reference a lot because it was such a huge haul. But when I really got down to the bells and whistles of it, it was missing a ton of stuff. So when I found this, I found an equalizer, both an equalizer and a Lynx, and they're both almost complete. The, sorry, the Lynx is complete. The equalizer is not. And they were both, you know, way in way better condition than the two that I had. So I thought, all right, I'm going to go ahead and pay the price and upgrade them. The 
equalizer is got some problems. I took some stuff off of the one I had, but it's still missing both of the antennas, which I'll probably have to repro. And the equalizer is interesting because it's a mashup. Like it's the bottom half of the Mahler and then the top half is, I guess, something original. I think they reused it for something else, but yeah, it was the, all of the Solder Marauders vehicles are like these. They're, it's either a straight repaint or some kind of weird mashup, which you didn't see a lot. Using p figure parts is pretty common. Use of vehicle parts didn't happen as much. So the weird thing about this is that on the Mahler, you know, uh, the Mahler body, they have these two, like, I don't think they're, they're not mud flaps because those are the two things in the front, but they have a thing over on the sides that cover the treads of the vehicle. And on both of the ones that I have, the treads have like, it's almost like the pal the plastic has started to expand. I really don't know how else to explain it. It's like when you try to match it up, it does not match up anymore. And it looks like over time, that's what causes the pegs on these to break, is that the plastic changes somehow, shrinks or expands, and eventually it will break one or multiple of those pegs off, which had happened on both of these. I kept the base that was less broken, but they both had at least one broken peg towards the front or back on that side. I don't know if that's a well-documented issue or not, but I do know that if you have one, and, and unless you're in a truly climate-controlled area, maybe consider taking them off. I don't think I'll leave this one on because I'm afraid it will continue to get worse. And and on top of that, it's technically still a broken shell, I, so I don't know if I can even like quantify it as knocking it off my checklist. I've been real critical of like allowing myself to be like, I have it. I'll give you another example. I picked up a Zanzibar Air Skiff. This is my third air skiff that I've bought from someone that's told me that it's complete. And then when I get down to the nitty gritty, it ain't. The one that, you know, it comes down to two problems with the Zanzibar's air skiff. Either the control sticks are broken, which I didn't even know were as long as they were. I've seen them broken so often that when I actually saw one that was unbroken, I was like, holy crap, this is like an Atari joystick. It's, <laughs> it's lengthy. And so these were intact. So I thought I was good to go. It wasn't until I took off one of the side missiles that I found out that the one of the pegs for the side missiles is also broken off. It juts out from the air skiff in a weird way. If you applied pressure to that missile at all, it would probably cause it to snap. And I guess that's what's happened. Does it, it does technically stay on the missile, but when I removed it, it's broken. I have conflicting feelings. Is this okay because the missile holds and it's not visibly notable? I don't know. I'm having a hard time drawing the line. It's pretty clear. But for all intents and purposes, I have one that's <clears throat> slightly more complete than the one I'm getting ready to get rid of. <laughs> so... Yeah, so I got I still have these two projects in the works. It's still not as bad as the year I went and bought many, many things that I already owned in completion. My checklist <laughs> has gotten a lot better about seeing what's there and like I'm getting I'm getting it nailed down a little bit more precisely. The last thing that I got on my list is a, I have something I set up beforehand. These are my two bigger purchases. I talked to Todd before we went. I said, Hey, show me what you got. He said, all right, this is a lot that I just got. You know, here's some stuff. I've got some bigger stuff I'm not bringing if you're interested in it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he had something I knew I wanted because it's been on my top three most desirable things for many years, and it's a Condor. So I said, I want this. How much is it? Is it complete, et cetera, et cetera? He said, yes, it's complete. It's 180. 180 is pretty steep for me, in my opinion, but I had a lot of factors to weigh in on. First of all, you know, this is a very large vehicle. So is $180 too much to pay when you factor in the $30 or potentially $40 shipping cost? Even breaking apart, the wingspan on the back half of it is ghastly. I thought, yeah, honestly, $180 is probably still a pretty solid deal 
considering all that. If you factor in shipping, I do believe it. I still will stand by the fact that buying larger vehicles in person is maybe the only way to go right now because shipping is just, it'll kill you. The Condor is complete. It looks great. It works wonderful. And my only complaint is that it has a little bit of yellowing on the underside of the right wing, which I know is very specific, but you can see it even here in this picture. I don't have any plans to address that in the near future, but if I wanted to just like bleach that area out, I feel well-versed in it enough that I could probably do it. But for now, I don't want to mess with my very expensive purchase. I want to enjoy it for a little bit. It's definitely my favorite thing that I bought. I've already played with it a lot. Just like, again, I've never had a Condor. I've often looked at the Condor desirably, but I've kind of balked at the price. Well, I knew it continues to move up my list as a result of that. Much like the Hurricane VTOL, which I talk about all the time and was not there at all. But the Hurricane's a smaller vehicle. You could theoretically get it online and, you know, the shipping wouldn't kill you. I didn't think that was an option with this, so I pulled the trigger. I'm very happy with it. I'll talk more about the Condor in a later episode when I've I've actually played with it. And maybe we can do a review on it because I really do feel very passionate about it. The last thing that I picked up was also from Todd. Todd, I mentioned Todd said, I got a bunch of big items to move. If I'm not going to bring them unless somebody tells me they're interested. And it's what you would expect. It's like a flag, a Defiant, a Terrodrome, which he did actually have there and a crusader so of that stuff there's only one of them that i actually thought that got my attention and that's the crusader i own a crusader and it is the worst looking crusader you've probably ever seen <laughs> it's so bad looking i don't have it on display i keep it in the corner and the shelves block it off you don't even know it's there and you can't access it it's gruesome i mean it is yellow beyond yellow but it's in mostly complete shape the one that i had was it was missing a few things but nothing major and I thought maybe it was on my list of things to like do the bleach or it's not bleach. It's like a salon. Well, I guess it is kind of. Anyway, it's the process where you put the UV light on and it whitens it. I did it with a sky striker a year or so ago. It turned out great. Still looking over my shoulder right now. Still looks pretty good. I was told it would yellow again in a couple of years. Uh, so far, so good. So I was anyway, my thought was I'm going to whiten this and I'll, I'll be good to go. Well, Todd was like, I want 160. And I was like, that's a little much considering I've got one and I'm working on it. It's just a lot of work. Well, he said, hey, I, I actually want to move this so it's not taking up room. What about 120? And I said, okay, that's actually pretty appealing. And I said, is it complete? He said, no, it's missing one thing. And if you have a Crusader, you can probably guess it's the umbilical cord. It has a repro cord with it. And I was like, okay, uh, that's satisfactory. I know I've accepted that there are some things that will always be are always going to have to be repro because they're too expensive. You know, I have a repro fantail railing because the price of a real fantail railing would buy me something, you know, 1000 times larger than it doesn't, it just doesn't add up for me. So I said, all right, bring it. I'll take it. And, and on top of that, I paid 120 for it and I took my old crusader. And this is something I've been doing regularly this year that has worked out very well for me. I strip it completely down. If you got to break it to do that, do it. Anything that's not on the shell be gone. <laughs> Take all of that stuff, sell it as a lot. I sold every piece that I had for my Crusader. Did not have anything that I would consider exceptionally value, uh, you know, valuable. And I made $65 on it. I made all, half of what I was paying. So that made it way more justifiable and brought it home as well. And fun fact, when I opened up the Crusader that I had, it also had a substitute for the umbilical cord. And what they had been using, whoever they were, whoever I got this from, was an unbroken Mahler tow cable. 
So, which are very rare, not as rare as an umbilical, but I was still like, hey, buddy, I got a way better place for you to go. Um, I mean, you know, little victories, right? Yeah, that's my haul from Kentuckiana, and I'm really, really happy with it. The only non-vehicle thing, or like non-G.I. Joe, well, even that doesn't count. I picked up one other thing, and I teased it on the last episode. I saw Ron just about dead last because I wanted to make sure that uh, he had finished everything, that everybody come and gone. And I also didn't want to hold on to it while I was walking the floor. I wanted to put it somewhere safe. Ron's rates for a commission are $230 for pencil, $260 for ink. Ron does also offer a color option. It's $600. So Ron clearly doesn't like doing color commissions. And that's so far out of my ballpark, it wasn't even entertainable. $260 is a huge amount for me to pay. It's the most I've ever paid for a single art commission ever. But I was absolutely locked in that I, I needed this, I wanted it, and I'm happy with it. The character that I picked for Ron to draw for me was Airborne, the first figure that I ever had. Yay. And, I, you know, is a figure that obviously Ron designed, and I thought it'll be great. And from secondhand, I was told that Ron had maybe only drawn Airborne one other time for, as a commission his whole time. So I was thrilled with that. I thought, cool, something that you don't see very often. It's symbolic, as we were just talking about Airborne being my very first Joe and how important he was to me. And yeah, I was thrilled with it. I think it looks great. I'm going to get it framed. I'm going to put it up. It was wonderful talking to both Ron and his wife. I wish I'd had more time to sit down with them because, as Jaron said, you're right, Ron is very reserved. I think if you're not asking him a direct question, he doesn't really get very invested in it. And that's okay. I, you know, I'm happy with what I got and I had a great interaction with him. And the other thing, I, I also got Ron to sign my Icon Heroes Cobra logo bookends, which I used to hold the complete collections, the big hard bounds that IDW put back. And I thought that was a fun thing to bring, that he would be like, you know, something that he designed, obviously, which was important to me, but probably hadn't seen all that much of. And uh, I think he got a kick out of it. Uh, and it looks great because it displays face out and you can see it, you know, all the time in my room. So anyway, that's the haul from Kentuckiana. You know, we had a great time. We saw all of our friends. We spent too much money. Well, at least one of us did. And it was... Uh, <laughs> It was great. I came home and was very reignited about the whole process. I started going through stuff that I had just upgraded so I can liquidate that that stuff and get it out of here. And I'm starting to look in where, you know, one good thing about upgrading your ve- my vehicle is that I have a spot for it on a shelf already. So the Condor, for example, an obnoxious piece <laughs> to have, I'm like, I don't know where I'll store this very long, very goofy you know looking thing the wingspan in the back is difficult and the length is equally like in the way so right now it's just kind of hanging out but yeah i'm trying to i'm i've come back and done a lot started doing a lot of work on my room i've been rearranging furniture just trying to get things pieced in and get some stuff put away one of the nice things about working around a convention is that yeah it kind of gives me it gets me like back into it in a big way and i start i come home and i you and i both really because you were doing toy photography before we'd even left the parking lot <laughs> and then i came home and was doing toy photography with that bullet man that joel had picked up for me at joe fest so like i, I yeah it is a resurgence you get back into it a little bit you're like hype up you start whatever your passion is about it and you know in gi joe it could be writing stories taking pictures just organizing it's very cathartic for me sometimes um and I'll coast on that for a week or two at least. <laughs> so, yes, we had a great time. Thank you to all the vendors, you know, all the the everybody that throw that makes this show as successful as it is. We love it, and you know, we uh, it, it's very it's a very very important event for me that I like really slot a lot of time into. I start looking forward to it well in advance. So, 
in closing, uh, another great convention of the books. Uh, we marked a bunch of stuff off our list. I did a count, and I don't have the exact number right now, but I think my checklist of vintage-era vehicles that I need that I don't have in any capacity. I'm not talking about... I'm excluding stuff that just needs some parts. I think I'm down to about somewhere between 25 and 27 total vehicles. And I'll Dang. have the entire... I'll have the entire fucking run. That's impressive, Greg. <laughs> I wish that I was more excited about it than I was, but there's still a lot of work to go. For When you look at the list, it's so... It's so funny because you'll, I mean, there might be half a dozen of those little backpack things, the dreadnought <laughs> axe backpack or the rope crawler or the twin machine gun. So I did not like that stuff as a kid and I didn't, it didn't attract me as an adult. And so now I'm like, all right, well now I got to do the work. I did find a rope climber thing there. Uh, it was, I mean, they're so cheap that every time I see them, I get them. The problem is most people don't carry them cause they're lame. So for every half a dozen things that like that that I need that I know I'll see will be very affordable and I'll just grab it, there's also half a dozen Night Force vehicles, which is almost certainly going to be the very end of the run for me. Uh, the the Night Force Whale and the Night Force Sky Striker are going to take a lot of time, a lot of work, and a lot of money. So I don't anticipate that to happen anytime in the near future. But if we can get it down to the final 10 in the next couple of years then things are going to start getting real. I'm going to start really looking and, you know, planning ahead with my money to knock that stuff out. It would be, it will feel very satisfying. Um, so anyway, thanks so much for joining us today. You can reach out to us uh, via email at anything Joe's pod or anything Joe's podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at just anything Joe's pod. Jaron runs our Instagram and I run our Twitter. Although typically you can interact with either one of us through just about any social channel as we tend to monitor them both as much as we can. We'll be back in two short weeks with more news, you know, rumors, recent acquisitions and whatever else strikes our fancy. And we hope you'll join us then because anything's available for discussion here on anything Joe's. 